This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, Episode 5. My path to getting to the NFL was trying to reach out to several different NFL coaches. I heard back from one. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Art of Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Scott Caulfield. With me today, from the Los Angeles Rams, the NFL, Coach Jay Agabau. Coach, glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. Tried to make it last year. I don't think the schedule worked out, and so I'm looking forward to chatting it up with you this year. Great. Yeah, and you're here. You know, we're, we're obviously at the 2017 NSCA Coaching Conference. Um, you're going to be maybe hearing some banging and stuff in the background. We're kind of off in our own uh, our podcast booth is a uh, makeshift uh, <laughs> area here. So if there's any noises uh, or voices in the background, we're going to try and just ignore it and can continue our thing. Uh, okay. Anything specific you're looking forward to uh, at the conference this year and I think I'm looking forward to catching up with people I haven't seen all year long or haven't talked to in a while and you know in addition to going to the different lectures and you know hands-on presentations very cool very cool anyone in specific uh, that you're looking forward to listening to off the top of my head uh, probably Ernie Reimer I think very so cool, yeah. I heard he has a special presentation coming up so that's yeah. the one I'll uh, I might be helping out with that okay I, okay. I was requested to to do so so we'll see what happens yeah ernie always puts on a good show and in addition to giving good content he the guy is knows his stuff um cool so nfl i mean everybody right everybody gets into strength and conditioning most people i won't say everyone a lot of them are interested in football want to know how do i become an nfl strength coach that's a great question. I don't think I have, I don't think there's one specific answer you can give. My path to getting to the NFL was trying to reach out to several different NFL coaches. I heard back from one, you know, I, I get it, they're busy coaches and you know, that's not making excuses for those that don't ever return your calls or emails, but it's difficult to get a hold of coaches during the season. But I was able to get my foot in the door with Rock Gullickson at the time with a lot, uh, sorry, the St. Louis Rams and so, started communicating with him, staying in touch. He didn't have anything available and I was eventually able to get my foot in the door as an intern. I think as a young strength coach, that's probably your best bet unless you are tied into a successful collegiate strength and conditioning coach or a successful coordinator or head coach that may make the leap to the NFL. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. How about, uh, so then is there any kind of special skill that I need or any special training, uh, you know, certificate, who knows what to You're, be? In the being NFL? certified through the NSCA is definitely important. Uh, having a certification of that caliber is necessary. Just like at any collegiate job, it's something that you should have. Now, as far as um, special skills, I think being able to communicate, communication skills and understanding Understanding the sports psyche of these um, millennial athletes is very important. Yeah, totally. Being able to touch base with them. Uh, social media, right? Big social one. media, you know, Instagram, Twitter. You know, I don't necessarily communicate with them on there, but being able to understand and go on there and see what their interests are. And so when they come in the weight room and there's downtime or they want to communicate with you, being able to touch base with them and have something in common or something you can actually discuss that they're interested in and not just your interest. Yeah, for sure. And so you guys have had a, a big year. You moved from St. Louis, like you said now Los Angeles. What was that transition like? You moved an entire weight room. I remember seeing pictures that you We had, moved uh, the weight room three times. So uh, 
in St. Louis. We shut that weight room down in February and got it out to Oxnard, California, where the Dallas Cowboys typically have training camp, and we were able to use those facilities. Tennis court with a nice big white tent set up, and that was our weight room until we went down to Irvine for training camp. UC Irvine is where we were able to get our off-season, or sorry, the training camp working done, and then went up to Kalu in a temporary facility as well. Uh, really a trailer, box trailer setup. So oh, wow. it's been interesting being able to move a weight room three times in the span of a few months. So that's quite the challenge. Of, that's a heck of a workout too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So talking real strength coach stuff here now, your head football coach just got let go and now you guys are, you're still there. You're still, you've still got a job, but what's it like now for you, uh, you know, not knowing necessarily what's going to happen in the NFL? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting being in limbo. You know, you hear about coaches or the saying, you're either a coach that's going to be fired or you have been fired. And um, when Coach Fisher was let go, they brought on a uh, interim coach, our special teams coordinator. And uh, currently we're just waiting to see what happens. The uh, organization is going through and I'm sure... You know, your listeners have read and seen things online that they're interviewing a variety of different candidates. And so whenever they select that head coach, you know, they'll, that coach will be able to determine who his head strength and conditioning coach will be, whether they have someone in mind already that they've worked with in their past career or if they give me a chance to interview to retain my position there. So it, it's all really a waiting game, kind of hurry up and wait and, you know, just stay prepared and make sure you're ready to interview if the time comes or if not, hopefully you've developed enough of a network that you're able to reach out to other people and see if there are any openings or opportunities that might be a good fit for. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And so what's your, you know, you guys, you're able to be here at this conference. What's your like day to day schedule like right now as an NFL strength coach? Are you just right now for the first couple of weeks, we're off, okay. um, you know, the um, it's a transition time. They've told us that we're allowed to look for jobs. So, you know, you're out there trying to reach out to everybody else. Um, we have guys, IR guys that are still in the weight room right now rehabbing and so we're just there to make sure for safety purposes that things are taken care of and the weight room is good upkeep and for the new coach that's coming in you want to make sure that there's a great facility for them that when they come through they're able to see that things we've been doing and what we can do for them and maybe hopefully help them out in the future cool um well enjoy some of this time off but hopefully it won't be too much time off Um, i hope not what uh you know i joked around about the nfl strength coach being like everyone's dream job but tell us if there are are there any myths or misconceptions about being a uh, NFL strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, I think, um, you know, everybody thinks it's a glorified job that you don't work the, the long collegiate hours. And I think that's one of the myths. And then also that, you know, that we're spoiled or, you know, have all the goodies that the players get. And that's not necessarily true. I think, uh, unfortunately, looking back at my start in the NFL, my first year as an intern, I made less than I did as a GA in college. So the money's not always there. It's, a, it's run like a business. And so if you look at some of your bigger collegiate programs where they do have the boosters or you have the financial backing, 
I think sometimes resources are not as free-flowing in the NFL because it is run strictly as a business. Yeah, that's great. It's good to know. It's good to know. Um, so kind of working off that, you mentioned, uh, you know, the Coach Gullickson that you've worked under. Uh, who else are some of the influences that you've had as a coming up and strength and conditioning coach? I'd have to think uh, Corey Metzger-Deacon. She was at Washington State at the time. She was the one that gave me my first start as a student assistant, helping her with volleyball, soccer, baseball, and some of the other Olympic sports. Marco Candido and Darren Lavat, those are the two guys that got me started in football. That was both at Washington State. And then when I was a GA, Jim Lathrop at Illinois State University. And those are the guys I've worked with. They've helped me along my career. And Jim Lathrop was the one that was able to get my foot in the door with Rock Gullickson. So it's all kind of helped build to this point where I'm at now. And hopefully I am able to help other young coaches as they come along as well. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, how you've built your network up. Are there any tips or suggestions that you'd have for, for people who are trying to build their network right now? Like things that they need, must do or should do or... I think reach out, reach out to other coaches, go attend conferences. This is, you know, the NSCA conferences where I met or have met a lot of different coaches that I might not interact with on a regular basis. And I'm able to at least obtain and exchange information, whether it's email, phone numbers, and just stay in touch throughout the year. Make a conscious effort to stay in touch with coaches and get to know them beyond the X's and O's, find out what their interests are. Uh, maybe you have something in common that you guys can, you know, share and play off of but just be willing to communicate with other people and reach out don't be shy because I think that'll be the biggest drawback is if you're in a shell for sure no definitely getting out of your comfort zone with all mean people uh and you and I were both uh in the navy back in the day uh how did uh how did that uh experience kind of help you as a strength conditioning coach you think I think it helped open my eyes to the fact that there are so many different people from different backgrounds that and being able to deal with them you know whether it's in college football or in the NFL you have players from all over the country some from foreign countries or foreign upbringings and just being able to share something in common with with them and just being able to communicate with guys from so many different backgrounds I think is one of the things that the Navy has taught me that's very cool that's very cool how about um, thinking about your you know again being in the NFL you got different hours I know that you're married you do a lot of other fun stuff too so how do you maintain that work life balance that's great great question I'm learning to do that this year I, I don't I don't know if you uh, recall, but my wife and I, while I was going through grad school and starting my early NFL career, we lived apart for five years while I was chasing this career. So this has been the first season that she was, um, we've, we've lived together since um, I've been in the NFL. So I've been learning to work on that work-life balance, as you say. Um, making sure she's at every game. You know, we always talk about that, not staying at the office as late anymore in the weight room. You know, when I was in St. Louis and she lived in Washington, I really had no excuse to go home. So I just camp out and hang out and do whatever at the facility. But now making a conscious effort to leave on time and, you know, trying to do things and explore California. She moved down in June. So we were, we were getting ready to transition to training camp. So there wasn't really a lot of time to go out and explore our surroundings, but planning things out and making a conscious effort, I think is the most important thing because it's just it's not going to happen naturally I think from both sides there has to be the effort to be successful in making a home life for sure it's easy it's easy for us to just get so focused on 
that team setting and like our profession that we kind of forget about all that other stuff. No, it's good to hear. It looks like you're having a lot of fun out there. Um, how about what's the best piece of coaching advice that you've ever received? Or something that's really stuck with you over the years that someone told you could have been, you know, a professor in college or someone in the military? Be the best wherever you are. I mean, that's, I think, you know, it can be said so many different ways, but I think striving to be good in your current position, whether you're an intern, try to be the best intern possible. If you're an assistant, trying to be the best at what you're asked to do, never really overstepping your boundaries. You know, I like the saying, stay in your lane, but while you're in your lane, make sure you're doing everything to the best of your ability. Cool, cool. And would uh, would there be any different advice that, like, if you could give someone one piece of advice, is that what you would say, or is yeah, there I think that's so, that's what I would say is just be do the best wherever you're at, no matter no matter what the job. I think it applies to all facets of life, whether it's being a coach or even in your personal life. You know, if you're working on your ma- marriage, um, I read a book recently, The One Thing, and I can't, you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of the author's names. I think there's two authors, but just really focus, you know, in the moment, focus on that one thing you want to improve and everything else will fall into place instead of putting so many different things on your plate that, you know, you might start getting frazzled or not spending enough quality time on each of those different things. Sure. So easy to do. So easy to get distracted. Um, You mentioned, you know, being here at the at the conference and it's great experience to network and learn. Uh, What other NSCA involvement have you had or, you know, how has it kind of influenced your career coming up? As an undergrad, I think I was first exposed to the NSCA by going to one of the national conferences. And I think that's based on my schedule as I've been going through my career. That's the only one I've been able to go to. But through that, I've been able to meet so many different coaches and stay in contact with a lot of different coaches. And then throughout the year, I try to go on and do a lot of the different CEU programs that you can do to try and further my education or just read articles. It's a great place to find resources, great starting point. You might not find everything you're looking for there, but it's a great starting point. For sure. Yeah. I definitely, like you said, with the networking piece, I have uh, met so many people through NSC events and, uh, you know, that have either turned me on to other people or different things I never would have found out about. And it's all that after, after hours stuff, you know, um, about, is there anything, you know, you've been coaching for a while now, is there anything you've kind of come to understand more deeply over the years as a strength coach? I think that uh, coaching has to fit the individual. That's the one thing I've definitely learned in the NFL. There are so many different, unique individuals. These guys come from so many different backgrounds, whether it's a D3 school or they come from one of the Power 5 teams that have great strength coaches. And I'm not saying the D3 schools don't have great strength coaches, but their resources and what they've been exposed to may be limited. So I think as you go through and integrate them into our program, having patience and understanding that each of these guys may need an individualized approach as we go through with the program. is one of the biggest things and most important things I've learned. Very nice. Um, so kind of playing off that, is is there, what's the toughest part about uh, being an NFL strength coach? Toughest part, getting the guys to do the work you want them to do the morning after a bad loss. 
Um, you know, if you look at our record this year, there were quite a few of them. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me is being able to prepare myself mentally to go in on Monday morning and somehow convince these guys to do the things they needed to do in order to be successful and still participate in the program, still invest in their bodies, especially, you know, tough losses or, you know, after a long trip to London where we, we take a loss and then you fly 11 hours back. Now, we didn't work out the next day, but, you know, within the next few days and that first workout, being able to convince the guys that we need to continue the process. Sure. Oh, yeah. That's that's great. And a lot of people, again, I don't think uh, understand, too, you know, when you're probably dealing with guys that are getting paid a lot of money, you you're doing a lot more things than just, uh, you know, teaching exercises. Right. It's that yeah, I think, whole other uh, side of the it's managing personalities. You're talking about a guy, guys that do make a lot of money and, you know, to their benefit, the veterans have been exposed to a lot of great coaching, whether it's through their personal guys that they work with during the off season or their collegiate coaches or other NFL coaches if they've been around in several different teams. So they know what they're doing, being able to communicate clearly with them. It's a little bit different than being in a structured program like a college setting or a high school setting. Uh, the structure has a lot more give and take. Yeah, and you and you have to be flexible, right, as an NFL strength coach? Because like you just said, the, these guys, probably almost all of them, have their own person they'll go to when they're not with you. And so you can't just be this rigid my way or the highway strength coach in the NFL, right? You have to be you have to be open to adaptability and just change, but within your core philosophy, guys are knowledgeable and they understand if you're able to talk them through the process and explain why they're doing things or why you want them to do things, they're usually willing to do the work for you, but you have to be able to communicate clearly with them. And that is a challenge in and of itself, you know, depending on where the guy's from or how his style of communication is. The, you know, simple yelling or, you know, talking down to someone doesn't always work. Whereas with certain individuals, that's what they need and that's what they like. So it's just you have to balance that out. No, that's great. Um, about you mentioned a couple books. Is there any book that uh, every strength coach must read that in your opinion? Or are there a couple that you say, I think everybody should read these books? I mean, whew, that's a tough question. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I think anything that's out there that's recommended, you know, when you go through your typical reading list, anything that's out there that's recommended by your, you know, the coaches you work for that share the similar philosophies, I think is a good way to go. I don't necessarily like recommending specific books because in my opinion, you know, a book has to fit your personality or what you're looking for. And so, you know, it just depends what you're looking for. You know, there's some coaches out there that are really looking to do sports psychology. Go look at those books. Or if you're looking to do learn about, you know, traditional strength training message or methods, look in that direction. So it just depends what you're truly looking for. And I think if you take the time to ask around, you can find specifically what you're looking for. So, I mean, generic answer, but sure. no. it just really depends, yeah. you know, what you're interested in, in the moment. Uh, you know, I've been, I've had books recommended to me that I go and read and, you know, in that moment, I'm just, I'm really not interested. So I'm going to put that on the back burner for a while and, you know, maybe I get back to it later, but you never know. For sure. Um, 
So this is kind of a two-part question. Um, is there a big challenge you for that you see in the strength and conditioning coaching industry or profession? And then second prong to that is like, do do you think the NSCA can help in some way? I think off the top of my head, the biggest challenge is the pay. I think, unfortunately, if you look around, there is so much competition for jobs. And I'm not talking about the top level jobs or anything like that, but like whether it's a GA position or at the smaller schools or low level assistants, I think there's so much competition that if a program decides to do so, they can pay a low level pay. And if somebody washes out because they can't afford to continue to live that way, they can always have a pool of candidates to come, you know, to reach from and pick from. So I think the NSCA might be able to help with that. You know, I don't know how it works, but kind of raising the standard in the bar um, as far as pay is concerned and evening things out a little bit. Um, I, th- I think that's one of the biggest challenges, you know, having gone through that process, you know, there's a lot of people that are discouraged, you know, if they're, they don't have a spouse that can help them or family that can help them and you're do- having to do it on your own and with a very limited income it might not be worth it to you. Yeah. You got to have a strong support network. Most that's, that's the one thing I've common denominator of, uh, the strength coaches that I've talked to. Everybody seems to have a really successful ones have a really strong yeah, I think uh, family network, you the know, fa- Family is the most important. Yeah, family support. I think, you know, going back to looking at being in grad school, I never would have made it on my own. I mean, I'll admit that much if it weren't for my wife being able to support me, you know, emotionally, financially, and having a wife that's willing to, you know, live thousands of miles away while you're in grad school and trying to push through those things and help you pursue that dream. So, um, yeah, shout out to all the good spouses (laughs) and family members out there that are, you know, supporting you as you go through your journey, because that is something that not everyone has. And it's really important. For sure. Um, All right. A couple fun questions here, wrapping it up. Uh, You're tasked with starting a new strength and conditioning program. Um, You've got a limited budget, so you can only pick a few items. I'm going to limit you to three items. What are you What are you going to use? Three items. Let's see. Um, platform rack. The weights. Hopefully, the weights come with that. If we can include that in the budget, okay. and then probably some dumbbells, okay. benches. Cool. Uh, just simple. Keep, Keep it, it simple. simple. Keep yeah, it simple. I like it. Fundamentals. Um, and then, how about if you could have uh, you know take either breakfast, you know take have a meal or uh, sit down have a beer with. Uh, Three people, living, dead, or fictional. Anyone in the world, in the non-world, in the literary, who who would you pick? I'd have to pick, start off with Jesus, Buddha, and Allah. I think if you, if you look at, you know, for, there's so many different religions out there, and those are probably, you know, off the top of many people's uh, heads, some of the major names. It would be interesting to see and discuss with them their core beliefs and how they view things today and how the world is today. For sure. I think that would be very interesting. I wonder if they would argue over uh, Olympic lifting versus... uh... (laughs) I mean, you never know. I mean, that could be a point of discussion. It's a great question to ask. I mean, everybody has an opinion on that. Right, right. Uh, All right, and this one is kind of a fun one, too. I stole this from another uh, podcast that I was on, actually, and I told him I was going to steal it from Sam 
Callan, sorry, but uh, we took this question of yours. If you had a magic wand and you could eliminate one coaching practice, what would you choose? And uh, my example, and you can steal mine if you will, but I said that uh, using exercise as punishment would be banned. Completely so, agree. Yeah. Completely agree. I, <laughs> using, I wouldn't say just using exercise as punishment, but a sport coach using the strength coach as the punisher. Uh, great, great, great. Great way to define that one. No, I appreciate it. Uh, like we mentioned, you're on social media. How can people reach out and find you on find you on there? Or how to best way to contact you? Best way to contact me if you want to reach out to me is J Agabao, and that's uh, spelled J A G G A B A O at Rams.NFL.com, and then just look up J Agabao on Twitter. I just started a Twitter recently, or actually after a little hiatus. So feel free to reach out to me on there, and I'm usually pretty good at responding to emails and Twitter within a day or two. So, All right. Excellent. Well, appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thanks, Thanks for having for being me in here. Appreciate it. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.